arrive. Again, I'm so glad to see you here today, especially if you're our guest. It is good that you're here. All of you watching online, we're so honored to have you. If I don't know you, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors around here, and I'm so glad you're part of Cultivate Church today. Go ahead and grab your outline for today's message. It's in your worship guide or digital note takers. It's available on the app. Um, and while you get that ready, I just need to ask something important because this is, uh, I just need to know. Uh, how many of you think these pants are blue? Anybody think these pants are blue? A few of you in here, okay. How many of you would say these pants are black? Anybody? Okay. How many of you don't care? Okay. All right, that's good. Yeah, that was the majority at nine, too. So um, I just have to know because I was, I was about to walk out a little while ago, and my wife goes, so you decided against the black pants? And I was like, these are black pants. And she said, eh, I think they're a little blue. And I thought, you're crazy. I didn't say that, but I thought, you're crazy. So I just asked somebody else. I said, hey, man, what, do you, what color do you think these pants are? And Mark playing drums. He said, yeah, I think they're a little blue. And I'm like, what is happening around here like to you people? And so finally I found somebody that thought they were black too. So these are black pants, just in case we're confused about it this morning. Uh, and those of you that don't care, I'm with you. It's cool. But I just need to clarify and uh, figure out who's right, me or my wife. So it's okay. I'm just glad that we've got that straight. If, if you got your notes ready, y'all ready? That's what you were supposed to be doing while I was talking about that. Some of you catch up, all right? Grab your notes. I'm excited about today. We're continuing this series, Because He Lives. And uh, this is really a follow-up from Easter. Some of you were here on Easter along with 500 of your other friends. It's totally cool. I don't know where they are today, but it's all right. Just tell them you missed them. And uh, as we've come out of Easter, uh, I want us to know this, that Easter's not just a Sunday a tradition that's on the calendar. It's not something that we just celebrate on a day and then we move on from it. Easter changed everything. Easter literally shaped and formed and changed everything about everything that we know. And because he lives, it impacts our life. Easter changed everything for us. There's an old hymn. How do you know the old hymn, Because He Lives? I'm not going to sing it. I really want to, but I'm not going to sing it. But that beautiful hymn just gives us all of these beautiful uh, benefits of our life because of Jesus going to the cross. And this whole series, Because He Lives, is really our response to what Jesus did on Easter. It's easy for us to come in and talk about Easter, go, that was great, that was cool, and then move on with our life. But there's a response that must take place to what Jesus did on the cross, overcoming death, hell, and the grave. And last week we talked about now what? What do we do? How do we go from here? And we really talked about digging our life in a little deeper about becoming followers of Jesus and how we do that. What does that mean to follow him? Today I titled your message, All Things Are New. All things are new. And this is out of our key verse of scripture that's on the top of your outline, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that says this. This means that anyone, underline that word, that's important, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and a new life has begun. I love the fact that it could, just, it could have just said, you know, uh, those who belong to Christ, in other words, to alienate some. But the Bible was specific to say anybody, anyone, whosoever will that would come to Jesus, they have a brand new life. And that's because of what he did on the cross and it's because of the resurrection, that Easter Sunday. And here's what I love about this is that we understand this as a culture. We have an infatuation with things being new. Uh, ladies, I saw a meme online the other day. And uh, it was this beautiful woman. It looked like this, you know, like, uh, you know, like a professional photo. And she's got everything, you know, this perfect pose. She probably took it 50 times, you know, to get that one selfie. But this, that beautiful photo. And, but she said, hey, everybody, she said, don't be confused. This is not essential oils. She said, this is plastic surgery and Botox. Keep it transparent. That's what she said. 
So it's this desire to be new, to look a certain way, to get it all together. We're infatuated with HGTV. Come on, you watch somebody take a shack, and in 30 minutes they've got a mansion, and you went to Lowe's that afternoon. And then you realized it's not quite that easy. But there was this desire that something in your house just had to be made new. And, of course, your husband said, we just painted that. And you said, be quiet. I don't care. It's not the color I want this week. So you got to make it new. Uh, we're men. We're, we're no different. I remember when I was a kid, my dad's first car was a 51 Chevrolet when he was a teenager. And uh, we were those people that that car sat at the edge of the woods with grass growing up around that car. And one day, I'll never forget, my dad said, I'm, we're going we're gonna to repair this. We're going to restore this car. And he drug it out, and he got started. And the first thing was the motor, you know, get the motor going. And I remember as a kid sitting in the passenger seat of that car on a five-gallon bucket going down the road, looking through the floor because it was rusted out. You could see the lines of the road as you drove. And Dad was like, isn't this great? I'm like, I'm going to die, you know. But they spent their time restoring this vehicle. Today it's beautiful. A 51 Chevrolet it's beautiful. It's for sale if you're interested. But anyway, and um, so it's this desire we have to restore and to change and to be made new. We spend all of our money, come on, when we get older, trying to look young again. Like we'll do all the things that we do to try to make something new. The beauty is, is that because of Jesus and the sacrifice of his life, Today, we sit in a moment like this with an opportunity for everything to be made new. A new marriage, I don't mean change your you know, partner. I just mean God can change, make new what is there. New kids, not get rid of the old ones, but change the ones that are there. A new job, it can change the atmosphere, it can change the outlook, it can change the emotions. Because of Jesus and because of Easter, all things are made new. And today, I want to focus in on three main things that I think because of Easter should impact our life in such a way that everything should be made new. And listen to me, everybody. It's easy to walk in here and go, oh, it's Sunday. We're going to hear a message, and we're going to, we're going to get to the Golden Corral, right? If you, got, if you know a good lunch, it's the Golden Corral. I'm just offering something to you, right? Some of you say no, okay? The, that, you probably thought these pants were blue if you don't like the Golden Corral. But today, that it be a moment that we walk out of this place and we say, you know what? I heard from God today. My life has been challenged today. And so I think in the simplicity of what this word is today, that if we lean into the three impacts of Easter on those that were there with Jesus and let it impact our life today, I really believe that God's going to do something powerful in our life today. But I want us to pray for it. We have to open our heart for God to be able to do it. So let's do that together. Online, let's all pray together. Father, I love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence. This in here, for every person at every campus, God, for those online, I pray that today is an impact day. I pray it's a monumental moment for us that we leave out of this place changed. You gave your life, overcame, so that we could have this opportunity to be made new. Let us not miss it today. We open our life to receive it. God, open our ears that we hear you, our mind that we understand you, and our heart that we retain you. Not just hearers of the word, but doers. We walk out of this place changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So three things I want to give you that are made new because of Easter. Number one, we have a new faith. A new faith. This is extremely important for us, especially today. Our faith, where our faith is, where we've placed our faith, where we place our trust what we lean into as the truth and what is the truth. And in our culture, everything is subjective. But I want you to notice something that happened in Scripture in uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 9. These are the three ladies that saw Jesus 
as the first time he was resurrected. So this is after he's resurrected from the dead. These ladies see Jesus, and the Bible says, verse 9, they rush back to the tomb, from the tomb, to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. Mind-blown moment. They have seen Jesus resurrected from the dead. They've got to get to the disciples to tell them. But look at verse 11. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. Underline that word, nonsense. They're told that Jesus has resurrected. He's overcome the grave. And they say, well, that sounds like nonsense. So they didn't believe it. Underline that statement. They did not believe it. We're going to let it rest there for a second. We'll come to the next verse in a moment. And I want to paint this picture to you. You've got 11 guys who had sat with Jesus physically, who had walked with Jesus, audibly heard Jesus teach them. They had visibly seen Jesus perform miracles. They had sat with Jesus and had dinner. And over and over and over and over again, Jesus would say, I am born to die. But when I die, it is not the end because I will overcome so that you can too. Jesus had told them so many different things. Yet, when they get word that it has happened, the Bible says they didn't believe it. It sounded like nonsense to them. Now, I want to ask us this question today, and I want to make this relevant to us. How many of us will sit in an atmosphere like this, hear God's word, see God do something, experience God in a moment? We would say that we're devoted to Jesus. Most of our culture would say that they're Christians. Yet, how many of us sit with this little internal thought at the base of our faith going, but it sounds like a lot of nonsense to me. I just refuse to believe it. I won't trust God with this area of my life because that sounds like a lot of nonsense. I'll accept this much of God's word. I'll accept this much of the story. But that part of it sounds like a lot of nonsense, and I'm not going to receive it. Now, we can sit in this room, or we can watch online, and we can pretend to be super spiritual. Okay, We can all have our Sunday best, and we're, praise God, everybody. It's a beautiful day in God's presence, and we can all do those things. But at the core of us, I know if these men who physically walked with Jesus... Felt like this, that Jesus had even told them personally, was nonsense, and they refused to believe it. I know that many of us are walking around with circumstances in our life, refusing to believe the things that God has promised to us. Refusing to accept the presence of God, the power of God, and the possibility of all that God has for our life. I think that's why we miss it in our faith so much, because our faith is still old based on something we'd heard based on a tradition, based on something that we thought if we checked some boxes. But Easter changed it all. Easter rewrote all the rules. Easter, it fulfilled everything that had happened. And Jesus said, watch this, all things are made new. Now, the disciples eventually, we know because the Bible teaches us, had a moment with Jesus. They eventually see Jesus and their minds are blown. And their reaction shows the brand new faith. Look at it with me in verse 52. It says, so they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. It was this impact moment in their life. That even though they'd walked with him and Jesus had told them, even they didn't fully believe what Jesus had told them about the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Their faith had been stretched beyond their limits. But when they got with Jesus... And when they saw it personally, it was an impact moment, and they left there completely, totally sold out. 
You know what an impact moment is? An impact moment is something that happens in your life that you will never forget. How many of you remember September the 11th, 2001? Impact moment for our country. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I can't remember every detail about yesterday, but I can remember September the 11th, 2001, because it shaped everything. It was so big. It was so monumental. I'll never forget it. Many of us have different moments like that in our life that is this impact moment that you just can't deny, you can't forget, you know it happened, you know you were there, you remember every second of it. That's exactly what Easter was to our entire world, to our entire history to our entire culture, and to our entire faith. Now listen to me. I know that many of our brains, many of us are very logical. And we sit like this and we talk about faith and we talk about something from God's Word and we talk about the resurrection of Jesus and what Easter is. And some of us go, oh, that's good, but you, know, you believe it because you just believe the Bible. Blind faith. And somebody told you that and your brain washed in it and so that's just what... So if you want to believe that, that's okay. But did you know that the New Testament is one of the most irrefuted documents, historical documents, that has ever been. In other words, when they choose to put together what our history is and what we're taught and what we know to be true about life and about history, it goes through so many different stages to wash it and to make sure that it's standing the test of time, that all these little different details aren't lost and made up. And one of these things that I love out of all that they choose is, is embarrassment. And what they say is that if you ever see someone claiming to be something, like, for example, any other world religion, they say, well, how do we know Christianity is it? How do I know it's not a blind faith and I'm not being brainwashed into something? Well, there is no other world religion that will give you embarrassment as a part of their story. In other words, Jesus is our hero, right? He's the Savior. He's the one we said shaped and changed the world. Yet it would be such an embarrassment to include the detail that before Jesus was to be Superman on the cross, right? That he went to the garden and he cried and he prayed and he begged not to do it. That he showed what many would be considered as weakness. And that he had so much fear and so much anxiety over what was about to happen to him personally that the Bible says that he began to bleed from his pores because his body was breaking down under the stress. That would be considered an embarrassment. The very followers that that made this movement and carried it on. You take Peter, denied Jesus three times, said, I don't know that guy. I don't want anything to do with that guy. It would be considered an embarrassment. Hey, I don't want to, you know, this is just history, so ladies, don't stone me. But these ladies that were bringing the news, the first ones to see Jesus, they weren't credible witnesses. Women had no leadership or place in society to have any authority to make such a claim. Yet Jesus decided to appear to these three ladies that she would, they would be the one to take the news of the resurrection of Jesus. It would be considered an embarrassment. Yet we follow this movement that has literally changed the world. The, the, the New Testament has been scrutinized. It has been torn apart. The Bible has been ripped to shreds. Yet it's the only book that has stood this test of time. As a matter of fact, we have the very New Testament because... Of the resurrection of Jesus. Billions of people have died in history. Billions of people have died. But only one man died that literally changed our calendar, that reset everything, that made all things new. What am I saying to us? I'm saying today this brand new faith is not just because a preacher on a Sunday in a church told you that's what you need to believe, it's not just because your Bible tells you to believe it. 
And the Bible is the authority. It is the word of God. But how do we know it? Because God gave us all of these other facts across history that is judged by every other secular document that is considered trustworthy in our society. This Bible and this word has been through it all and has proven itself to be the most trustworthy. This was an impact moment, Easter, that literally changed everything. But I want to ask you this question. In the midst of after Easter and this faith that these disciples struggled with, to go, oh, it feels like nonsense, to the moment that they had this personal interaction with Jesus after Easter that changed it all, where are you on that scale with your faith? Because let me tell you why it's so important. Because if you don't know what your faith is, and you don't know what your faith is rooted in, and you are open-ended in what you choose to live for and to believe at your core, if you don't know what that is, the enemy is happy to fill in all of those vacancies. The enemy is happy to come in and say, well, you heard this on the news. You saw this on social media. You're feeling this pressure at work, and we rewrite, and everything becomes subjective. But that's not what happened after the resurrection of Jesus. We got a brand new faith. Write down this reference, John 20 and 29. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he just simply told them, he said, Look, he said, you've seen me. Look at me. I'm face to face. You can see my face. You can, you can touch my skin. But blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Everybody, we, we haven't physically seen Jesus, but his presence and his power is here nonetheless. The very presence of the Holy Spirit personally living in our lives changed everything all because of Easter. Blessed are those who believe that have not seen. Today, my hope for you is that because of Easter and the power of it, that we would open our life fully to a brand new faith that would take us from moments with Jesus, but yet discrediting some things about him and fully opening our lives to embrace everything about who he is. Which leads us to number two. When we do that, we'll see this in the disciples, we get a brand new focus. A brand new focus. The resurrection changed everything about these guys. It's powerful. Look in Mark chapter 16 on your outline. It says, and then he told them, this is Jesus, this is this is after the resurrection. He's given these last words to his disciples. He says, go into all the world and preach the, underline this, good news to everyone. There's that inclusive word again, everybody. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved if they believe. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you go out. He said, you tell everybody the good news. Everybody, the gospel is good news. The gospel is great news. The gospel is inclusive. All this inclusivity talk we've got in our culture, and we'll talk about how the gospel now it's becoming hate speech because, no, listen, the gospel is inclusive because anyone who believes in me will be saved. And then the Bible says, and anyone who is baptized. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, when you accept me as your Lord and Savior, and then you begin to walk in obedience, baptism is the very first step of obedience as a believer. We see that in the New Testament. We ought to do it. Do what Jesus has said. Jesus said this, if you love me, you will obey me. So what the Bible is teaching us is that we have to have a brand new focus. Now these guys right here in the book of Acts, they got a brand new focus. 
And I love the Bible. I think it's funny. Write down this, this reference, Acts chapter 1, verse 11. You can go back and read this. Because the Bible says that when Jesus was taken up to heaven, we have a picture of what was happening. You have Jesus with the disciples. There's 11 of them left. Judas has betrayed Jesus, so you have 11 left. And Jesus literally, it's like Star Trek. The Bible says he ascends into the clouds. And the disciples are standing there watching Jesus ascend to the clouds. That's a crazy moment. I don't care who you are. That's crazy. But the Bible says that they stood and they strained to see him until he disappeared. And they're still standing and still straining, looking up in the sky. And the Bible says two angels showed up and said, hey, guys, what are you doing? (laughs) He's gone. (laughs) It's time to get busy. Acts 1 and 11. And from that moment, listen, like a light switch, their focus changed. Look at the disciples before Easter. They're in the boat with Jesus. They're scared to death. They're thinking, why, Jesus, why are you going to let us die? There's moments where they look at Jesus with a blank stare and they go, who is this man? They say to themselves. And there's moments even after the resurrection when Jesus is there and he's appeared to them. The Bible says they just keep staring at him. And Jesus is like, you got anything to eat? Can you feed me? It's funny. It's just, it's so real. It's so, we try to overdo it. But after this moment, they went from doubting Jesus, not fully understanding Jesus, not really knowing the big picture, getting it wrong. They were confused. But after the resurrection, listen what they did. They devoted everything that they had. They started going, okay, we've got 11 now. We had 12. we got one who's deserved this. All right, who's going to fill his spot? Let's start building the team. All right, everybody, who's going to go feed the poor? Who's going to take care of the widows? Who's going to preach? Who's going to serve? Who's going to do this and who's going to do that? Peter, who was scared to death, who denied Jesus three times after the resurrection, He has this personal encounter with Jesus. The Holy Spirit's there, and he stands, and he preaches to 3,000 who were saved that day. And then what did they do? They put him on a a TikTok. He got his own poster. He got his own hashtag, right? Everybody come see Peter? Not at all. Let me tell you, everybody. It's our culture. Be very weary of anybody that you see, that their poster's on everything. They've got their own hashtag. They've got their own. Just, it's not about that. Because you know what they did? They started building the church. They said, what do we do now? We're going to take this army and we're going to do what Jesus has called us to do and we're going to change this world. It ain't about one person getting credit. It's about Jesus getting credit. And they started selling their stuff and they started meeting together in small groups and they started fellowshipping together and they started saying, you know what? I used to want to be a famous fisherman. I used to want to be a a, a rich politician. I used to want to be able to do this and I wanted to do that, but none of that matters now. My focus is on Christ and him crucified. Because of the crucifixion, he was resurrected and it changed everything. Today, let me ask us this question. What is the focus of our life? Where does your focus lie in the way that you live? Every one of us make decisions with our time, with our resources, with everything we have. They turned everything upside down. The world was never the same after the disciples. The gospel spread all over the world. Why? Because their focus became strong. Our focus, look, the focus of our faith has to be number one. Listen, most of us in culture would say, hey, we're all Christians, right? But, you know, maybe I will this week, maybe I won't that week, you know, that doesn't really fit in with my, you know, with my five-year plan, so maybe we'll get back to that. We're busy doing this, and, and our faith just is not 
the focus of our life. What am I encouraging us today? Everybody, I'm encouraging us for our faith to be the forefront of everything we do. Because everything else that happens in our life should be out of the overflow of the faith that we have in following Jesus. Your family, let me just tell you, most of everything that's wrong with our world is because of our families. We've eroded the family. The family is, neither, is, is nearly non-existent. Men, we've got to lead our homes, spiritual leaders in our house. It's not minimizing anybody else, but God gave us the role to lead and to stand. We've got to do it. We've got to be an example. Our families have to follow Jesus. Fathers, they say on average we spend about six minutes of quality time a day with our kids. And then we wonder what's wrong with our culture. We've spent no time, and then we've cut them loose. Our families have to be. Our finances, what's the focus of our finances? Look, everybody, it's not a shakedown. It's just a biblical principle. Honor God with what you've got, and God will honor you in return. That we can't be stingy. We're the stingiest people in all the world. We are. We're stingy. Our society is stingy. I'm stingy. We all want. And so it's, it's just the culture we're in. But we've got to find a way to focus our finances back to God. We've we got to give him our jobs. We've got to stop working for ourselves. Look, your boss, your company, all those people, look, the Bible says whatever you do, you do it as you do it unto the Lord. And you honor him in it. You're not working for a, a person, a personality. You're not working for a company or a logo. You're working for Jesus. And in the midst of honoring him on your job, he'll bless everything else. Some of you are going to spend your entire summer at a ballpark somewhere. God bless you. <laughs> Some of you are excited about it. God bless you. But listen to me. I already know. I already know it. I already know the Saturdays are packed. I already know the calendar's packed. You got practice. You got all the stuff. But let me tell you something. I don't want to break anybody's heart. Um, but your kid is probably not going to be the next Michael Jordan, LeBron James, whoever that plays a sport, right? My son, every week, got a different sport he wants to play. So, like, bud, you don't, we ain't built for sports, right? But if, he, but if he latches to one and he just keeps stays consistent, he may end up in one, but we're just going to see. If, he's going to have to really want it for me to show up. But here's what I've learned. There's nothing wrong with you being at the ballpark. Ain't nothing wrong with you doing all of that with your family. But you do it on purpose. You focus because it's a mission field. You're going to spend a lot of time with those people. And to stop, stop complaining about how your baby's getting pushed around or whatever. You go out there and you give Jesus. When somebody's upset about something, somebody seems down about something, look, you're sitting there watching, you know, four hours a game that should be played in ten minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like just, you got four hours with somebody. Tell them about Jesus. What's the difference in the way we live? It's living life on purpose. It's the focus of our faith. You, you take the focus of that brand new faith that Easter gave to us and you begin giving it away to other people, wherever you are. Let's not forget why we're on this planet. And then number three, here's what Easter made brand new. We have a brand new future. Somebody needs to hear this today. Because the enemy's good at getting in here and getting in here and, and weighing this down. Peter messed up pretty big. He did. He, he kind of embarrassed himself and everybody else. He fought Jesus over it. Jesus, I'll never deny you. Jesus said, Peter, look, bud, before the sun comes up, before you hear those annoying roosters crow, it's going to happen three times. Not once, but three. Never, 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 never. Well, Jesus was right. And Peter was mortified. He was repentant. His heart was heavy, burdened. Never thought he'd make a mistake like that. And he saw Jesus crucified. And listen to me, he saw Jesus be buried in that tomb. 
And we know from their reactions that they thought it was nonsense that Jesus had overcome the dead. So Peter thought the last interaction with the Son of God, his friend, was in embarrassment. That he had let him down so much and would never have an opportunity to make it right again. But I want you to notice something. Mark 16 and 7 says, Now go and tell his disciples. This is, this is to take the news. Hey, Jesus has resurrected. Go tell his disciples, and underline this, including Peter. That's powerful. Because you think you shouldn't be included. You think you should be omitted because of the mistakes, because of what you've done and where you've been. And you think God would never reach back down to you. And sure, Easter is great for some, but you don't know where we've been and what we've done, how bad we've messed up. But go tell them, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Jesus says, look, I'm going to make it plain. I'm going to go and I'm going to wait on you to come. That right there, everybody, this one statement is the picture of the gospel. Jesus says, I am here and I'm inviting you, including Peter, the one that thinks they've messed up too big. I'm inviting you to come. Now, he's not coming to force you. He's not going to show up in your house and take every one of you out of there. He says, here I am. I'm going to invite you to come to where I am, even Peter. Today, it does not matter where you've been or what you've done. Listen to me. Easter changed that. Easter had the power to change all of that. It was an impact moment that God wants you to experience in your life, not just on a day, but in such a powerful way that your faith is different, that no longer does it feel like nonsense, but it feels like life, so that every fiber of our life, it becomes our focus. Not weird, not so heavenly minded we're no earthly good but uh, I can go to the ballpark and I can sit with people and discernment but God can say I sent you here for that person today I want you to encourage them just invite them to church just pray for them in the focus of your life so that our future could be changed because of the goodness of God in the miracle of Easter and I want to pray for us today so will you bow your head close your eyes with me and Hey, look, if you're our guest, nothing weird or funny is going to happen. Nobody's coming to get you and make you stand. If you're watching online, I would just encourage you in this moment just to minimize distraction because I think this is, a, this is a response moment. We say, God, what are we going to do? And here's what I would say to us today. Maybe you're in this place and you're online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you walked in here and you just couldn't say 100% that you've got that new faith. That without a shadow of a doubt, you could say, yeah, he's worth committing my life to. But today, I want to pray for us that it could be our day. And you don't have to have it all figured out. Look at the disciples. They were following Jesus for a long time, and they didn't have it all figured out. God's okay with our process. He's with us, every one of us in this room.
online. We're all in different parts of our journey. Some of us have just started it. Some of us are still growing. Some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. Some of us are here in this moment, and we've never said yes to Jesus. But today's your day. I want to invite you to do it. And then I pray that for all of us, today we would be challenged to check our focus of our life. What are we living for? What are we investing in? What are we committed to? Do people hear more about everything else than they would ever know that we follow Jesus and love Jesus and our life has been changed and impacted by Jesus? Well, the more your faith changes, the more your focus changes. And then the beauty of it all, because of Jesus and Easter, our future has been changed. So, Father, today I pray for all of us. And I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the power of Easter. Because he lives. Jesus, I pray there's one of us in here watching online that doesn't have a relationship with you, that today would be our day. We confess we've done life our own way. We've missed it. We've messed up. And Jesus, we want to put you first. So we choose today to lay our own sins down, our pride, and to make you the Lord of our life, our Savior. We choose today to learn what it means to love you and to live for you and to follow you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the power of Easter and this new faith. And I pray for all of us that wherever we are in our journey, that the focus of our life would be lived on purpose. That in every fiber of who we are, we would do it to serve you and to love you and to live for you. God, help us all to commit to that life on purpose. Thank you for changing our eternity. Thank you for giving us a future because of Easter, because you live. There's hope for us all. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you've done, the way you've moved in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, everybody. Can we celebrate Jesus together? Come on, he's good. Yeah.